right. All right. Episode number 13, Shifting Focus. Welcome back. I got the home team, the wife and I. Today we're going to cover a few things. We're going to talk about some crazy shit that happened in the air recently. We're going to talk Why about, are we going to talk about that when I'm about to travel internationally? Because it's a hot topic. We're going to talk about the state of maybe companies and business in the country, as well as starting a business, running a business. And then I think mentally what prepares us for a lot of those business aspects is doing hard things. And you wanted to talk about the difficulties of pushing through and being a better you. So you ready to dive in? Let's dive in. All right. Let's start with, uh, like you said, you're going to fly somewhere soon. When you, when you get on an airplane, especially like Southwest or something, you know, there's, you like extra leg room. What's usually the seat you enjoy going to for a little extra leg room? <laughs> well, that depends. Depends if we are... I just said Southwest, so mm. <laughs> it's not first class if that's where you're going. Okay, well, extra leg room, obviously the first, the front aisle is ideal. Mm -hmm. The emergency exit rows are Emergency dope, exit. But those seats don't recline. So True. sometimes if it's a longer Southwest flight and I want to chillax or take yeah. a nap, which is very rare, then I'll take an emergency, but... I'm a window girl. Yeah. So let's just say you, you like that emergency exit row. You want that extra space. Mm -hmm. Alaska Airlines recently added so much extra space that you're able to exit the airplane. <laughs> they just blew out the door. Yeah. So yeah. I'm assuming you saw this. I did. Mid-flight, middle of the sky, door just blows open. Mm -hmm. What would you do? Say a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Yeah. I don't know what I would do. You know, I think about that sometimes. I know it's really sick and twisted, but I'm one of those people that when like a plane crashes, I investigate. I go into investigation mm -hmm. mode. I think because deep down I have a slight fear of flying and that's been passed down. My mom has a fear of flying. All of us were just crazy. But the more I've traveled, the better that gets. Uh, I think if I'm in an emergency exit row, I feel like I'm this person who has to be brave. and. Are you willing and able I, to say yes? Yes. So I like to feel like I could save people. Mm -hmm. So you better be Clark Kent in that moment to yeah. save people. So did you see the video? Which one? There's a bunch. Well, just the main one. Luckily, no one was even sitting in that seat uh -huh. next to it. But there was a little boy like in the next seat over and his shirt got just sucked right uh, off. People's cell phones flew out the window or yeah. the door, or the gaping hole. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. the fascinating part about it, because like you said, you like to research. This is the seven, the Boeing 737 MAX 9. Uh, what happened to the MAX 8? So MAX 8s were all grounded in 2019 for mm -hmm. all their electronic issues. Do they just that? do a remarketing brand and said it's the same plane, but now a MAX 8? <laughs> yeah. They've upgraded eight to, it? 8 to 9. So what's the 9? Is this like the new it's, iPhone? It's the newer plane, but apparently whistleblowers said that they're not doing as many quality control checks. Mm, great. And yeah. So it's like, I think this is a... This kind of comes into play when it comes to pushing out things faster to the market. Come on, quick, quick, quick. Planes mm -hmm. are just moving out. They're just products. So they're skipping a little quality control check because they grounded a bunch of uh, airlines, Alaska and United, because they had most of the MAX 9s. And they said that United found multiple planes with loose bolts on the doors. Is this because of Boeing or is this because, mm -hmm. yeah, the so they're just, they're just dumping out the, new products mm -hmm. too fast. Well, they're always in competition with Airbus. And so it's that competition like when you're with your competitor, more, better, mm -hmm. you know, iPhone and Android, similar situation. Yeah. We've talked about this recently where it's like when you scale a company, obviously Boeing's giant, they've been around forever, but the more and more you push and you're just like, say yes to everything and mm -hmm. get stuff out, you do lose that quality control. You lose that personal relationship with a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. So 
I think from the outside looking in, that seems to be the problem. Yikes. I think I'm flying on a max air in 10 days. Yeah. Well, Nine. they grounded them all. I think they're back in the sky, but Great. they they fixed all those problems. They're Because in 2019, it got grounded because of electronic issues. They brought in a new AI software and it was competing against essentially the automated flying aspect of autopilot. So the Ethiopian Airlines one that what did, Malaysia, it, did it crash in Africa? No, but then the first 737 MAX oh, yeah. 8s. Yeah. Because they were like, the AI would say, go right. And then the autopilot would be like, no, the physical sensors say go left. And then it was fighting with itself in the sky. And that's when they would drop out of the sky. I thought it was on takeoff. Like when they would go on takeoff, those little sensors on the wings, which was the same thing that happened to the Air France flight but the 10 sensors, years ago. Yeah. When you're going up, it thinks that you're fighting against the trajectory going up mm -hmm. and it thinks you're stalling. Yeah. So the pilots couldn't correct the stall. Because the pilots weren't involved in right. enough training ahead of time because the right. AI was the one fighting the sensors right. at that point. It kept saying pull up and the pilots were pulling up and if they had if they had gone down, but it was what within the first two minutes of mm. all the takeoffs or 15 minutes, I don't remember, it was something crazy. And, it's, again, and then they would fight and they just nosedived and crashed. Yeah. Again, it's the quality control. Yeah. There was not enough training and they pushed it to market as fast as they could. Mm -hmm. So all the Max 8s, Physical sensors, the autopilots have been around forever, were fighting against the AI software. So the physical and the software were hitting each other. Yeah, so it's insane. Yeah, that's not fun. That's so not fun. Boeing and lost $13 billion in a day in their value. And with the Max 8s or with the Max 9s? With the Max 9s on this last one. Because of the whistleblowers coming out saying there's no quality control anymore. <sighs> and that makes me nervous. Grounding all the flights and finding a bunch of... <laughs> put lipstick on the and then finding a bunch of bolts oh and somebody in their house found a bolt on the ground like it it landed from the sky yeah that, that's like a bullet someone yeah. could have died so and what about all those cell phones where'd they go <laughs> they landed on people's houses or yeah those you know, imagine walking down the street and you get hit in the head with a cell phone that's fallen thirty two thousand feet from the air and that's gonna knock your ass that, out to the ground is that murder hmm, that's a great is that negligence mm -hmm. You don't really hear about that stuff. Like what happens to the debris? And was it in airplane mode when it left the plane? That's right. Because if it wasn't, is it the fault of the, what's the called? What's that? Customer? The customer. What's the passenger? passenger. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That passenger is going to be in deep doo-doo if that was not in airplane mode. But what if while it was falling, the wind trajectory flipped it out of airplane mode? I mean, you know. You don't yeah. Know. That physical button that doesn't exist. Maybe. Well, you never know. It could be you an old know. phone. Yeah. Cool. That's terrifying. That is terrifying. I'm pretty sure I'm flying Max 9 over the ocean for nine hours into Amsterdam. Well, and then I think I take another Max 9 from Amsterdam to Norway. Well, at least you'll have the doors extra secured because that's the one thing they're supposed Great. to be looking for. So if the whole if we need to get out of the plane, maybe we won't be able to get out. Yeah, that's true. But these are big companies. They have giant corporations, lots of office spaces, which leads me to my next amazing segue that I just did. Office space is down. <laughs> office space in America is down at a, or I guess you could say it's at an eye. I Wait, can we go back to the plane thing for just a sure. second? Unless you want to use no, this go, as a go segue. Ahead. Do you feel like the airlines are under attack? Is this something that's just happening or do you think that someone's out to get the airline industry? Because I think since COVID, the airline industry, I don't know how it's going to survive. You think that that's something coming down the pipeline? No. Are they I, trying to halt people from traveling? Is there a bigger picture here than what we're maybe thinking or well, seeing? 
That's a completely different conversation. I guess it is this conversation, but if the people want to know. I'm curious your thoughts. The curious conspiracy thoughts? Mm -hmm. I think they don't want anyone to travel. Why? I think it's easier to control people when you can keep them in a spot. Create these smart cities, shove them all in the same area, make them eat bugs, and tell them to get vaccinated and take the food we tell you to eat. Everything's going to be ours. You're not going to own anything and you'll be happy. You're going to rent forever. And you should not leave your bubble because we're afraid of these viruses and you're going to spread them if you go everywhere. So they instill all this fear in you to stay, which is why they tried to stop people from traveling during COVID. But we bought a van, built it out and kept moving. And but now they're doing this carbon dioxide tracing. How much car- What's your carbon footprint when you travel? You know, is that going to be a social score where if you travel too much, you get mm-hmm. penalized or pay more taxes or pay you have to pay into the government for the environmental damages. I'm curious as to if if this is kind of the start because mm-hmm. they keep trying to discourage airlines. Mm-hmm. There's all these things. There's the delays. There are the groundings. There's, you know, the difficulties going through TSA, your every, vaccination cards. It's like they, plan. I feel like they're making it more of a nuisance for people where people like us were like, I'd rather freaking drive. Yeah. And now all these layovers and connections. What happened to all the nonstop flights? Are the airline industries, are they doomed? What's the future of them in the next five, 10 years? They could be doomed. I don't know. It yeah. depends. But at the same time, they all got like $50 billion from the government during COVID. As long as they promised not to lay off anyone, which they ended up laying off people anyways and keeping the money. So Golly. the whole thing is a scam. But at the end of the day, when you ask the question about social credit score, yes, Nikki Haley, who's running for president right now, just said that she thinks it's a good idea for verification of your profiles. We should have IDs and everything attached to it. And it sounds, she's trying to pitch it in a way to where safety, you'll know who's on the internet. Like social media? Yeah, social media. They all do that anyway right now. Not I, Yeah, but that's for verification. Do you realize that giving your ID and all that's the first step right. into giving the social verification on your credit score? Yeah. But if you Because if hacked, you have a tweet, yeah, but who cares? If you have a tweet or an Instagram post that's not agreed upon by whoever's out there, that will come up on the next time you show your ID somewhere right. because now you're scanned into the system as what you said is now physically with your ID. Well, my ID is on the internet. Yeah. And that maybe the whole scamming and spamming accounts was the start of it. Like, mm-hmm. how do you get your account back? Well, you have to write into Facebook and take your picture holding your hand. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was the way that they, maybe they were actually weren't scam artists. Social media platforms were out there scamming your accounts to get your information on the mm-hmm. platforms. Yeah. I mean, Russian troll bots, farms and all that, like they're real and they're just manipulating the way people think. And in my mind, I don't know if you think like this. My mind is I really don't want to do this. Like when we did clear and we scanned our eyes, I really don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't want my information out there. I don't want to have all these things. But the flip side of that is how do you not? How do you not in today? The convenience factor pulls you into doing these things mm-hmm. like because if, if, we would not fly everywhere if we didn't have the pre-check and the clear and all that. But now we're in the system. Mm-hmm. And if you want, it's like, you have to think if we're headed there anyway, we're headed there anyway. What's mm-hmm. the point? How do you fight? Do you just say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I'm not going to wear an Apple watch. I'm not going to get a chip in my hand. Like we all say no. Yeah. And then it becomes norm. Yeah. We carry around our tracking devices, whether you have a watch or an iPhone, Ta-da. because we will not leave the house without it. And it's literally tracking you. It listens to you. I get, mm-hmm. I buy things because of the way I talk. I'll just mention stuff and I'll get ads. Mm-hmm. And some people will be like, that's not real. I'm like, I literally will be in the house with them. I'll talk. 10 minutes later, I'll show it. But this isn't real. Are you kidding me? And people don't think about that from a marketing standpoint. Every time you put in your rewards mm-hmm. into the computer at a grocery store, anywhere you go, that is synced to your credit card if you're paying with a card, which 
nine out of 10 people are paying with a credit card, 99 out of a hundred, however you want to see it. And so those are all synced. And now that credit card is affiliated to your social media platforms. It's affiliated to all your online shopping. They're tracking you every which way. And so when this whole uproar went out with COVID and they're putting a chip in our arm, maybe, but you already got a chip in your arm and it's your phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, at least this one is uh, voluntary. We have an 87 year old neighbor across the street with a flip phone that refuses to text. So getting with her is difficult because we have to call her, but now she's on the market. Now she's on, now they know mm, they're going to get you. <laughs> you just ruined her cover, David. Damn it. Sorry, Rosetta. Oh, and you gave her a name. Gosh. Oh no, Johnson. <laughs> and a last name. She's doomed. All right. All right. Segue into your workspace. Let's though. go. Offices around America hit all time high vacancy record at 19.6% according Vacant? vacancy, according to the Wall Street Journal. So that being said, it's the highest since 1979. What Jeez. do you think personally has led to that? COVID. Do you think it was COVID or do you think COVID just accelerated it because it was an excuse when in reality, everyone was trying to be remote and not going to the office because- you firsthand, Santa Monica Seafood, you were like, do I have to come into the office every day? I'm doing marketing. Can I just go to the retails? Can I work from home? Mm -hmm. And that was way before COVID. Well, my job description was to be in the stores. Mm -hmm. So if I, I wasn't really technically remote because my remote was still at the facilities. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't behind a desk. And that's mainly because I'm not a desk person. I just get so bored. I, creative people should not be behind a desk unless they're you and you're editing. But that's still being creative. I so don't. So you just told me that I don't need to be behind a desk, but then you still put the chain around my ankle. Yeah, you're married to me. You're my <laughs> ball. I'm your. You're my ball and chain. I'm your ball. <laughs> I think. Hmm. Good question. I would almost say putting people behind a desk <laughs> is doing a disservice, unless you're an admin person. But what are you going to do? Shoot an email. Shoot an email. Shoot an email. Shoot an email. It's so boring. And the monotony of that some is- Some people like that. Some people like it. And for people who like it, great, there's an office space for you. But for people like us who want to meet face-to-face -face with our customers and we want to be in the field, if you're in the field, you have no business being behind a desk. But you're talking about individuals in general. I'm talking about the office space. So yeah, companies, what, why, wouldn't com why are they emptying out company office spaces? Why are they emptying out company yeah. office spaces? Or because why is it such a struggle to fill them up, do you think? Because I think that a lot of companies are realizing their employees are more productive if they work from home. It also helps with the mental capacity for some. I mean, I have girlfriends that work from home who have kids and when their kids are sick or things happen where it can be more challenging versus if you're in an office, you don't have to have that. Um, I think that maybe the office space is becoming ridiculously expensive for mm -hmm. businesses. You know, yeah. this real estate stuff now, businesses, office spaces are going up for sale. Mm -hmm. I think it also, you, businesses look at the expense of an office space. Yep. What is it costing them to keep the lights on? Yeah, they're eager to, to keep, cut the costs. Right. You have, you, I think people, I think CEOs and CFOs are looking at the cost of what it is now. Mm -hmm. And you also, for employees that are on the road, who work on the road from work, they're eliminating some of that liability as well. Their their employees aren't on the road as much. There's a gnat that just landed on I my face. I saw that. Well, I'll give you some stats too that we'll talk about the companies. And apparently in the 90s, there was a giant overbuild through the South because the land was cheap and there was no red tape to cut across. Like the restrictions were very lax day school. So as of today, the highest capacities are Houston, Dallas, and Austin, which you wouldn't realize 
Um, and then 1991, San Francisco had the lowest vacancy rate in the country, but today it's as high as those places because why? The tech industry. Mm-hmm. Everyone is techie. They're at home. They probably do WeWorks. Maybe they go into just an office space for group think meetings. But you, like you said, companies are cutting costs. Originally, I don't know what it was like back in the 90s, but I bet when you started a business. Or were you just a year old or something? <laughs> I was two. <laughs> Um, well, let me tell you, you young strap. 80s, 80s, baby. <laughs> I'm assuming back then when you start a company, there was the order was a little different, which we'll go over in a second. But you probably went and looked for office space. You're like, I'm going to get a business loan. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, oh, these cubicles look good. When we thought of starting a company, we never thought of office space. We were like, okay, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to start? So I guess let's just nix the office space talk for now and move into business, starting a business. Do you remember when we first decided to go into business together? Mm-hmm. What was that process like? We sat down and said, well, I had started producing and I really liked it. And you were doing a bunch of um, slideshows at the time. That was like the trend, right? Even just like freelance uh-huh. video projects. Yeah. And so we were think we sat down and we said, what are we doing? We were kind of getting burnt out on the restaurant industry. And we thought we have a service that we can help. I can produce. I can act. I can do the voiceovers. You can do the filming. You can do the editing. You're strong where I'm weak and vice versa. We're like, let's give it a try. Mm-hmm. So we started a company, maybe because a few businesses were like, hey, do you guys want to do some work for us? Or we fe- we started seeing that there was a need. We approached a couple people. Mm-hmm. But we also had some friends ask us, hey, can you guys put this together? Can you guys put this together? Mm-hmm. And then before we knew it, we thought, why aren't we doing this as a career? Mm-hmm. And we got with a family friend, Ron Lipback, who was a customer of ours actually in the restaurant. And he was like, yeah, I can help you guys get your business going. He'd filed all the LLC paperwork, got us our DBA in the newspaper in Santa Monica. We really learned a lot about the process of how what we needed to do to make it a legitimate business. And that was maybe after, though, because we had started accumulating income. Yeah. And we were like, okay, how do we make this a legitimate business? So that's and, where I'll ask you mm-hmm. the process. If someone's out there starting a business and you've already named a bunch of things on how we started, first thing you do... You said it already. I like producing and this and that. First thing you do, service, product, course. What what are you selling, right? That's mm-hmm. where you want to start. And after that- Or what problem are you solving for mm-hmm. a customer? You it, have yeah. to solve a problem. Uh-huh. If you're like, I want to do this because it's fun, we'll get clearer on that. What is mm-hmm. it that you're going to do because you're thinking about yourself? You have to think about the customer. Yep. What problem are you solving? Start there and then unpack it. Yep. And then we sat down, we had the service and ready to go. Business planning, mm-hmm. you know, goals, target, uh, target audience. What you just said, what are you doing for somebody? Marketing strategy. Um, how how are you going to operate in general? So you start with you know your service, and then you plan out how are you even going to operate? What are you going to do? And we sat down and like you said, you were like, I'll reach out to people. I'll start talking. You'll be the shooter and editor for the main part, and you know we got a team now, the two mm-hmm. of us. Well, in Santa Monica Seafood at the time, they were the top seafood industry on the West Coast, and mm-hmm. they didn't have anything. They, they had some stuff, but I was like, if you're the leader, you guys need to set, you have an entire platform at your mercy where you could really dominate this and mm-hmm. become the expert, become the trusted company, like really reach out, be consumer facing. Yep. And so we, we approached him and our numbers were ridiculously, ridiculously low. Of course they're going to say yes. <laughs> they were like, okay. Yeah. We thought that we were giving them a great deal. We're like we'll make you 13 videos for this price. And now we're like, <laughs> now we do it for one. They were like, price. 
sure, if it sucks, we've lost nothing. Yeah. So we were like, yeah, we've got a customer, mm. not knowing that Woo-hoo. we had just <laughs> completely sold ourselves short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once you figure out, you know, the plan on how you're going to work, legal structure as you covered, mm-hmm. LLC, sole proprietorship, partnership, you know, each one has its own tax benefits. And is it worth it for you when you're just mm-hmm. starting? Are you are you reaching masses to where mm-hmm. you need to have a corporation in the beginning? Yeah, we started as a sole proprietorship mm-hmm. on our own. And then a couple of years, maybe less than a year later, is when Ron stepped in and was like, you need to be an S-corp. And this is why oh, I broke it all right. down. Yeah. You and I didn't have a business plan when we started the company. Mm-mm. We I didn't mean, we, do any we, of that We stuff. talked about goals and our target audience and what we're going to do. We just yeah. didn't financially write down projections or anything. Mm-hmm. We just flying by the seat of our pants. But now going forward, like we see all the things that we've slowly implemented on what we do. Once we realized, all right, S-Corp, we were backwards everywhere, but name and branding. Mm-hmm. How do you come up with a name for what you're doing? Um, we were, how do you come up with a name? Sure. I think you make it personal. Nobody really cares what your business name is, but it has to mean something to you. It has to make sense. And looking back on ours, it was a little confusing. Our name or our logo? Our name. Why? Just because people thought we did something else. Oh, oh yeah. So our first company was Cashew Productions, and everybody thought we produced cashews. <laughs> <laughs> we were cashew farmers. Like, no, we're productions. It's a production company uh-huh. like, of cashews. <laughs> yeah. People would reach out to us. Hey, we've got some cashew. We'd get crazy emails mm-hmm. about sourcing cashews in the United States. We're like, oh, yeah. okay. There's a, there's a fine line between being simple and creative and we were like a little goofy because it was like cashew productions. Mm-hmm. And then on the bottom, it was like a tagline. It's like, we're nuts. Like, and we had, it doesn't even say anything about the film industry. Do you remember our first logo was a cashew with like a spotlight shining down on it? it still is that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> of course it I is. cut the nut out and it just says cashew. Yeah, you now. kept it simple. We made it more, mm-hmm. more branded simply. But yeah, that was fun. Yep. And then at what point? So we started doing cashew productions. That was more of a way it kind of bled more into a corporation feel yeah well we don't have to talk about the split off exactly we're just talking about creating a company for now okay so from there you got the logo the name legal structure plan service now you need to use all that documents you have to go to the bank and and open a bank account Mm -hmm. a business bank account which they will ask for your tin your yeah your tax id information because if you're sole proprietor you can use your social security Mm mm-hmm but you need your um, tax ID number when you go to the bank to open up a business account. Yeah. And from there, let's talk about the most important one, which you're going to love. Marketing. Yes. Website, social media. Where do you start with all that stuff? Where do you start? Yeah. Okay. If you're opening up a social media page, you need your handle, which is the name. So make sure it's available. If it's not available, you know, get all that planned out before you lock in your business name too, because it might not be, you don't want to have a bunch of underscores and a bunch of dots and keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Keep that simple. And it might be taken. So if it's taken, be, go back to the drawing board, think about something else. Um, So you're going to want to have your name, your profile picture, have it something to do with the brand and also you. I find so, so often that businesses, their profiles are set up so much on the work that they forget to implement themselves. Sure. (laughs) People like to see what you do, but they also want to know who they're working with. That's really important. A big miss. Uh, you want to have your bio. And now social media is using keywords. So you want to make sure those keywords about your business are in the bio. For instance, if we're doing production, we're going to put film, content creators, you know, editors, all that stuff is going to, you're going to see those words mm-hmm. in our bio. 
And then start following people that are within your niche of, of business. So what you're saying is don't follow big booty Latinas? I personally don't think that would be a good idea. Unless, of course, you're selling like a thong bikini and that those people are in your, your market. Yeah, babe, I'm selling thong bikinis. <laughs> well, babe, go for it. Side I hustle. support you. Side hustle. Okay. Uh, I would say make sure that the posts that you're making are covering three things. You're either going to entertain your, your clientele. So make some stuff that's fun, organic, uh, make some things that lead back to sales and then make some things that are educating. So you want to, you want to be the leader. You want to be the expert in what you're doing. And you want to showcase that to your customers to where when they think they have a need, you're the first person they think about. And if they don't need you, who do they know that could lean on you for your work? So start leaning into other people's audiences as well to build yours. So there's a whole, I mean, it's such, this is a deep, deep topic, but to start out, get your handle, put it across all platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, X, you want to put them on um, TikTok, TikTok, LinkedIn, dominate the whole industry, make sure all of your stuff is concise and consistent. So your profile pictures, your bios, they're all pretty similar. I know some of the characters will limit that, but make sure your message across all platforms is the same. And then obviously your posts are going to be somewhat similar. You know, LinkedIn is going to be more professional. So you're not going to post a big booty Latina on LinkedIn. Well, that sounds more like followers, but yes, continue. You could maybe put them on TikTok. That would be an audience. So, but try to work smarter, not harder. And when you're making your posts, think about how you can use that one video or that one picture across all the platforms mm -hmm. and just go to one, upload, post, go. Next, upload, post, go. Next, and then just saturate all platforms with the same content. And why would you do that? Because you don't know where your audience is going to be. We have had so many customers that will come to us and they're like, oh, my Facebook is awesome. We're gonna get a lot of traction. Well, then we start posting on Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. And I'm like, actually, your Facebook isn't, isn't dominating the way you think. You're actually, your numbers are here. And so there's an audience that you just don't even know where your customers could be. Yeah, some people don't use one or the other. Mm -hmm. So if you run a tree service company and they're only on Facebook, but you're only posting on Instagram, you're, you're not going to get a couple customers. Yeah. And you, won't, you don't know what you don't know. So why not try? And if you get one mm -hmm. customer from a TikTok video, it's worth it. Yep. It's a free platform. Why would you not post everything on all of them? And then, you know, I say don't spend too much time when you're just starting because you're trying to figure out the rhythm of your pages. But if you see somebody comment, respond, because nowadays people are just scrolling. So if someone stops and they like it, that's an action. If somebody stops and comments, that's even more like, Hey, start communicating, mm -hmm. start, start building that relationship because you don't know where it could lead. Yeah. What about mm -hmm. website? If you saw someone's website, what do you think should be on it? Uh, I think websites could be basic. I, me personally, I don't spend a lot of time on people's websites unless I'm shopping. You know, if it's a Shopify account or something that's e-commerce, I don't really spend as much time for me. I would need a little bit about you a video or some good photos that are really going to showcase who you are and what you do, where I could be like, oh, I get an idea of who the brand is. Contact. I need to know how to get in touch with you if I want to reach out. Um, maybe some links to your social pages if I want to do a little more research on my own. You have to remember most of our society is becoming introverted. They don't like to talk to people. And so a website's a great resource where people can do their own due diligence. So a website would be, the way you're talking about it, it's more of people who probably have a service or selling themselves in some way. Sometimes. product is the only reason you'd have to go a little deeper with multiple options on outfits yeah. or like, like if said, I'm shopping. on Fashion Nova or I'm on Nordstrom, what do I do? Or, or Amazon. I mean, I've been on Amazon the last three days trying to get ready for this mm -hmm. trip. 
I'm diving in. I'm looking at how many reviews they have. I'm going into the reviews. I'm reading the reviews. I'm typing in keywords. Reviews are gold. So if you want to put that in there too, people trust people. And so what other, what other, whatever people say about mm. you is really important. So and that would go in the marketing uh, bubble with social media and all that. Google, Yelp, mm. give people an option to see the reviews. Obviously do good work so they become good reviews. Mm -hmm. But either way, people like that because yeah. you're a testament to that. And if you're going to... If you're going to have a place that has reviews as a business, respond to your reviews. I can't tell you how many times I'll see a negative because a negative review is going to stand out stronger than a positive review every time. And it screws up the level of, yes. it, you'll be a three-star restaurant, but you've got 105 stars, but those few three or one stars just started dropping it to three mm -hmm. and a half. So as I'm reading reviews and I see positive, positive, I'm just skimming through the positive, boom, negative. I want to know what was wrong. What was wrong? And it's normally a negative Nancy. Even. It's like it's sometimes, <laughs> but it could make or break an entire product or a brand. And so mm -hmm. if you have a negative comment and you don't see that the business has responded, for instance, if something broke, you want to give them a chance as a business owner to say, hey, I'm so sorry this happened. Can you shoot us an email? We would love to get it fixed for you. That shows that you care as customer service and you are going to take all priorities to make sure your customers are happy or say you're booking a hotel and the customer's like, Oh, the, the water fountain was broken and blah, blah, blah. okay. Well, Hey, thank you so much for your feedback. We've been on it. We have fixed it. Like little things that just show, okay, then I can move on from this negative comment. But if it's something, or sometimes, like you said, there's just negative Nancy's. And if you see a business owner, thank you so much for your feedback. We really appreciate it. It helps us become a better brand. We've taken your, your words into consideration and we will be better. Boom. I'm like, cool. This is a business that cares. I will give you my money. Different, so that's, different than if somebody responds as a business owner and they're like bickering and yes. going low, ball, low blowing, yes. a little ego. It's well, like, you said this at this time and it becomes this validating. I don't want to see a business saying it was your fault because of that. You see it a lot on Airbnb. Well, you know, we came in and did it, but that, that does happen. Like, Hey, there was only one roll of toilet paper in this Airbnb. We wanted more. So then you see the Airbnb person respond. Well, you could go out and buy your own damn toilet paper. That's not the way to do it. But if they say, Hey, you know, we're so sorry. This was an inconvenience for you. We've taken your information into consideration. Just as a friendly reminder, we have put in the fine print when you go to the booking expectations, there is only one roll of toilet paper. You know, it just, it, you may, you take ownership as a brand and then you offer feedback so that other people who are reading it can see you care. That would be, that would be my two cents Very for the reviews, well. but it's definitely super important to have a Google page. It's free. It's, you know, and when you ask, for, you can ask for your reviews. So when you're sending out your final emails, if a customer's bought a product, thank you so much. We'd love to hear what you think. Here's our Google link. Make it just cross, cross these platforms. Again, we could go, we could have an entire conversation about marketing at some point. I'd love to yeah. get into all Very that. Very well said. Very well said. Well, thank you. Thank Another you. thing after you get all the marketing done is mm -hmm. insurance based on whatever industry you're in for us covering everything mm -hmm. like cameras and equipments and Traveling uh, with all of our equipment, um, you know, stolen equipment. Permits based on what permits. you need to do. We were in the film industry, so we'd go film at the beach and we had to learn as long as it's less than three people and you're not putting anything in the ground, you don't need one. Mm -hmm. You show up with a permit. I mean, you show up with a tripod or four or more people. 
the cops will literally be behind you and say, get out of here. Mm-hmm. And the permits aren't that hard to apply for. No, you just hundred bucks. reach out and you ask for a permit. Sometimes yeah. it's a no, but it's probably if there's an event going on or something. But. but if you, especially in Los Angeles, if you need a cop or an escort or somebody to make sure people Easy. aren't crossing the frame, then it becomes, um, it becomes more of an expense, yeah. you know? So there are things you just have to look into in your, in your industry to see what your restrictions are. Mm-hmm. And, and these aren't things you're going to know off the bat starting your business. You mm-hmm. have to just get going and learn and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to get fined and you're going to get sued and you're going to, you're going to, you might go through all these things, but try not to look at them as failures, but look at them as things that are going to make you better and grow. And we're constantly evolving. Our always. contracts are constantly changing. Our processes are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. We're always moving and molding with the industry and we're learning every time we do a shoot. So it never, that never ends as a business. So to add on to that with the permits is licenses, same thing. Depending on your industry or what you're doing, make sure you can legally do it. Make sure you can legally Whether do it. Whether you tattoo somebody's face or whatever, just make sure you're covered on all bases and get your contracts and get yeah. everybody in line. So get an attorney. Get maybe. an attorney and a CPA and get somebody to get all your books in line. Are you ready to go? Cool. Until then, gorilla freestyle sole proprietor. But once you start making money, if someone's watching and you mess up, you want to be covered. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the money to get an attorney, go online. There's a lot of free generic contracts that can get you just started. Mm -hmm. Have something in place as a contract, no matter who you're working for, no matter what, or have at least if you're doing an online shop, have your um, terms and conditions, have all of that very transparent. And I'm going to help y'all out. It's 2024. There's a new addition to the list of things you need to start a business. Yep. AI. Yeah. I was say terms and conditions, contracts. You can ask AI to make all this stuff, or you can implement a contract for it and say, please adjust the wor- wording for my industry and add my name and logo across it. And it'll do it all for you. And what do we pay for AI? Like 20 bucks a month? 20 bucks a month. Just And we have the basic one that just like yeah. helps with words and verbiage and write down stuff and captions. So, mm-hmm. But if you want to put more money into it, they will create you images, yeah, which is mind-blowing to me. And if you don't know what to write for your copy for your website, I'm not a good writer. Spend 20 bucks for the month and Mm -hmm. say, write my bio. Here's my name. Here's my company business. This is what I do. And just have AI generate it for you just to get started until you start making income. And then you can hire people to actually do your copy. But if you're just getting started, you know, well, and you know, Grant Cardone says, don't start a business in 2024 or in 2023. He said, all these baby boomers are starting to retire and there are thousands of businesses that are for sale. So if you want to weed out all of that and there's a specific business you want to start, mm-hmm. go buy a business. Yeah. People are afraid of that because they see the number and it's like that business is $160,000. That's a steal. Go get it. That business, Or some people will take like 40, $50,000. And you think I have four grand in my account. Okay. You go get a business loan. Mm-hmm. You approach the bank. You tell them why some people will even do owner finance and you're going to have it paid off. And if you go in and get the books and figure out that that is a, you know, a net positive business and you're going to make money, it's worth, you know, doing an owner finance if I they agree. accept it. Because if somebody is 70 years old and wants out of something, now's the time. They want to keep the business going because yeah. it's their legend it's or it's their legacy. Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day about buying a, or no, they wanted to open up a laundromat and do all this stuff. And I was like, listen, I think that's great, but go buy one. Go buy one. You think of all the stuff you have to buy to put in it. Mm-hmm. If you find an operating one that works great and you want to do additions, you want to do all the add-ons, cool. 
do that with your money that you're going to go build. I agree. But build, add on to the one that's already there. Yeah, I agree. Because eliminate all that stuff. It's already in, it's mm-hmm. already implemented. It's going to save you so much of a headache. Yeah. Sure, you're not going to learn all that stuff, but it's already there. So it's yeah. worth a hundred and something thousand dollars to go buy a business. And yeah. if you own or finance, you can negotiate to keep the original owner on for a year or two years where they slowly wean themselves out and they teach you the processes mm-hmm. of the business. And you want the marketing. They already have a clientele. Just mm-hmm. Take what they already built because now it's half the work for you. I agree. I think if we were to start a business again, we would buy one. Yeah. Although, um, I don't know, production's a little bit different. Yeah, it depends on the industry you're in, honestly. Right. But if you're looking for passive and a way to actually have a storefront or make money, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you might have to operate it most of the time. But if you want to skip the beginning stages that we just listed, you get an attorney just to go in and help you with the books to make sure the company, the business works and you just next all this stuff we yeah, just said. I agree with you. Cool. So we kind of came full circle on that one. I was come full circle. Ski. Okay. Um <laughs> we were in LA for 12 years or so. Business started doing well. We went to Miami. We switched it up. But leaving for Miami, we were like it's a fitness industry place. We were like doing every fitness influencers videos from Steve Cook Callum Von Moger, Marissa Rivera, you name the person in Gold's Gym. We filmed for Gold's Gym. We did Bruce Buffer, Shad Gaspard, RIP, but everybody, Lou Ferrigno, Chris Minnesota shows. We ended up going to Miami and we kind of let our ego take over a little thinking that ah, we're just going to roll into it. It's not how it worked. No, it's not. So I want to ask you, when moving, how do you jump into a new market? What did not work and what did we finally do to get out there? Like you said, we jumped in thinking people are going to know who we are. We're going to do great. Our business is going to thrive here. This is our this is our ideal market. No, that didn't happen at all. I think we had a big wake up call because people didn't care who we were. They're like, all right, whatever. And then they're like, oh, I have a lot of followers. You can film me and I'll I'll give you the traction. And the we were like, no. We're- Does validation pay your rent? <laughs> I know. No, it didn't. But I think what you and I learned, and this was something through one of our mentor and teachers had said, you need to do some pro bono work. You need to get out there and start meeting businesses. You need to start filming some stuff for free, give back and just see what happens. Just kind of put it out there, you know, do free work. And I was like, free work's not going to pay my rent. And I kind of, but I was pushed up against it a little bit with you and you were like, I'm just going to go do this and that. But then we hit rock bottom and our business, it started to get scary because we were like, okay, we're getting down to our last dollars here and we're not doing any work. So we started the series called Miami Made and we started networking with people and just by showing up at these facilities, and this was you, not me. I mean, really, you should talk about it. This is your story. Why don't you take the lead? Sure. We decided just... Miami made was the way to go. We're like, we're going to do a series and we're going to tell stories about business owners in the Miami area. So like people you said, who pro- maybe wouldn't normally get a platform. Yeah. We're like, let's work with some good people pro bono, just whether they have a following or not, we're like, let's go tell their story. But for free on our time, we want to be artistic and build that creativity again as you know, filmmakers. And then just by doing that, you join a community, you start meeting people and we went into one of our clients at the time, well, free client. We filmed uh, Alberto Cyborg Abreu, the jiu-jitsu world champion. And while there, I got a DM a couple days later, and that's how we met Taylor. And Taylor had a 
SMP company. And then we started flourishing from there. And then word of mouth starts getting out. Once you just put yourself in the position, mm-hmm. if you just say yes and show up, good things happen. And I think that that's kind of what expanded from there because we went there, we did some free uh, behind the scenes stuff with Salomon and his photography. And then we met Michelle and Jimmy. And then Jimmy sent me a text like a month later. I was like, hey, how about you come over to the house and we film some stuff? Cool. Okay, Michelle needs filming every month. Cool. And it's just from there, just by saying yes and showing up, opportunities arise, you capitalize on them and you just, you know, you get out there in the market. And then mm-hmm. once things started moving, then we started getting paid and it just kept turning into monthly clients after that, which was awesome. Well, like we said earlier, you don't really know where your customers are on social platforms. You think they're going to be in one place and they weren't. And we ran into that in the physical realm too. We thought our customers were going to be here but just by showing up with a camera, all these other customers started coming out of the woodworks just by being in the in the physical mm-hmm. presence. So business people were like, oh, you do video? We need video. Mm-hmm. And then they see you at the gym. Oh, you do video? Our, my business over here who has a mold mm-hmm. and leak company wants your product. So you just don't know yeah. where your customers are going to be. And then people see your videos. I think uh, for us, when people tag, it is so, we love it so much. And I'm not talking just tag us in the actual video tag us in the section that helps us get clientele and as a small business owner we really we are so grateful for that so give back to the business people if you're happy with what they're providing write a review tag them in the post you know and it's not Mm -hmm. credit for credit it's not credit for our validation of feeling good it's credit Mm -hmm. because we're gonna get our video seen because our whole career is based on exposure Mm -hmm. and seeing videos so if somebody sees video buy my tie, they're going to be like, cool, click on it. Now we have a DM from somebody. Hey, yeah. would love to sit down and talk about what you could do for our company. And I think people feel like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to expose you. You're my hidden secret. You work with me. But what I do to customers who refer us out is they get special care. If you refer me and I see and I get a customer from you, I'm going to continue to work with you even more. You're going to get special treatment. You're going to get a discount on your next video. You're going to get a little extra time when we shoot. We're going to deliver extra content to you because we really appreciate that. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, I am I got this lead, now I'm busier, so I'm gonna ignore that customer. No, no, always go back to your repeat customers. They're, they're like your family. They become your solidity, your, your foundation of your business. So don't ignore them ever. Give them extra special treatment. That's what we do at least. And we kick back to customers who refer us out. Yeah. You want extra content? Cool, I'll give you a 5%, 10% discount. Yeah, That's and then you of- become family and then we just start doing things for free just out of being friends and family, mm-hmm. you know, things they'll just be like, Hey, can you do this for me? Sure. I'll just send it right back over. Here's a photo. Here's a video. What you got? Something you mentioned the other day though, is that the social media is not really social anymore. Mm-mm. And I think that was a huge thing that you brought to my attention, which is obviously it's a dumb moment, but social like Instagram, for instance, mm-hmm. if you send a cold email or a message to a business, it goes into this request and then it goes into a hidden file. And then the person may not ever see it. And so I think now we have to shift a little bit even more out of the social platforms and get back to face to face. So like you did today, tell people what you did today. That was huge. Well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But oh, okay. But like piggyback on what you just said, social media is no longer social. The whole point of it was so that you connect and meet people online. So sending someone a DM, you can start a conversation, maybe a friendship, maybe a business acquisition, whatever. It's impossible now for a lot of people because I will send out messages to I'll go into a business. I'll like it. I'll send a DM trying to get to their like marketing director. Mm -hmm. They'll never see it. They'll never read it. I get left on red. Now I feel like an idiot, 
But in reality, we get put in a request folder and social media becomes antisocial. And now you have to physically go and talk to somebody, which is what I did today. Mm-hmm. I went to the local country club and I did a full tour. I talked to the marketing director about our services because I saw that they had outdated video work. And you have to do that now. Mm-hmm. Like you have to become a part of the community and put yourself out there. That's kind of on the same level as, you know, like you said, Miami Made, where we go out and we put ourselves in those positions. This, I made an appointment. You, it's like going almost full circle where mm-hmm. everyone got into office buildings. Now you don't need them. Social media is for social aspect. Now it's telling you, no, just we're posting and ghosting. Don't talk to me. Posting now, and ghosting. Now I'm stuck going to physically see people again. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, it's a little frustrating that it's that way because now I have to physically drive somewhere when I could just send them a DM, but they're never going to see it. So I go knock on their door because they think a DM, even if it's in the request folder and I'm like, Hey, no matter how I start it, they're gonna be like, it's probably spam. spam." They probably assume it's spam. Yeah. What people are doing now I've been seeing is this trick is they'll send you a DM and then they write a message on your profile. Hey, I just sent you a DM. Yeah. But that's also what spams are doing. I know. So it's you, it's this organic sales approach. And if you don't understand the organic sales approach, your business isn't going to thrive if you're mm-hmm. selling something because people used to be like, Hey, do you like this? Or, Hey, you, you want this? Pro-? No people that feels people immediately scroll mm-hmm. and I do it. So I think about what I do, what my behaviors are on social platforms. That's what other people are probably doing. Yeah. And that's an assumption, but I feel like it's fair. And I think it was one of my, um, it was my mentor at Santa Monica seafood. Shout out to Dave Lytle. He always said, Stefani, if you aren't doing this, why should we invest in it? Um, we had this marketing meeting with Dave Lytle and we were thinking about putting information on a thumb drive that had our logo. So the, when the customer would plug it in or our sales rep or vendors, there'd be a, a quick time folder. Hey, click this and learn about some of the things we're doing as a company. And I was like, this is a great idea. It's a way to get our content out there. And he said, Stefani, how many thumb drives with content on it do you plug in and actually watch? And I said, yeah, good point. I don't, I don't look at any of them. He said, okay, we're not going to do it. <laughs> It sounded like a good idea. It did. But then things go full circle and QR codes were created. Yeah. And now you just scan somebody's business card and that's a thumb drive. Yeah. But how many people are actually doing that too? It's Uh, become- Hopefully everybody. It's become better since COVID when people Mm -hmm. were, the behavior was forced. But I remember when QR codes first came out, people didn't use them. I I suggested it. We put them, you know, the first person that did it was Rodney Ray Mm -hmm. with Pau Palau and Drainbow, one of our clients. He was putting QR codes and being like, we got to do this. And it'll send them the YouTube videos. Nobody would do it. Even I was like, that's so cool, but that's weird. People are doing that. Yeah. But you have to, you have to hook somebody in really hard. That just proves though. He was what, like 10 years ahead of the curve. He always has been, but you have to have such a strong hook. That's going to make somebody scan it. So if you do a mail out and you're like, I can sell your home, here's a QR code. Mm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna click on the QR code. No. Has to be like, hey, get this coupon to blah blah blah. Scan the QR code, mm-hmm. and then make it so sexy that when they scan the QR code, they're driven to make the next step. Yeah. So anyway, the whole the whole idea behind this was if you're not doing it as somebody in yourself, don't expect somebody else to do it. Don't waste your money on things that you wouldn't do yourself. Yeah, I agree. All that sounds true and good. Yeah. So that being said. Got to get out there. <clears throat> got to get out there. That's how we got started. We're running into it again, which is why we I'm are. going places to physically meet people. Yeah, full because, transparency. Yeah. We're here in a new city again, and our business is not thriving. I mean, it is, but outside of here, we're thriving. We want to thrive mm-hmm. locally so we can stay yeah, home. We still travel all over the country, but 
we just went to a networking event, what, two days ago? Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. We got to meet a bunch of like-minded small businesses. And I tell Steph all the time, I want to build a community. I want to meet people here. I want it to be easier for us to have access to all these opportunities. And we went there and you had a great time, right? Yeah, I had a great time. Wonderful people. Oh my gosh, the people here are so nice. I know, it was cool. Yeah. But that's just a start because we got to get back out there. Every time we move cities, we have to travel farther to our other clients, Mm -hmm. but we also don't have any in the newer city because we do have a you know, boots on the ground service. I have to be there and we got to build a system to where I don't always have to be there. But for now we need clients here. Yeah, we do. What I've learned about the businesses here too, in that meeting, which I think is really helpful is you see that other businesses have the same struggles. Mm -hmm. We all, we're all on the same thing, but you look at a business and you think, wow, they've really got it. They're, they're not struggling at all, struggling at all. In reality, I think Every business goes through the doubts. We all go through the mental capacity. We all go through the physical. We all go through the scaries. We have all those things. It's just a matter of if you're willing to put one foot in front of the other and continue to walk the path in your business. Has it been up the whole time? Huh? <laughs> so this has been up the whole time? Have it helped me? Are we talking about your wiener? Wow. Wieners. All right. <laughs> so we've moved. You got to get out and do that kind of stuff. But here are some of the top things that I jotted down thinking of what do you need when entering the new market? Know your market, the demand, is there competition? Is there collaboration opportunities? Uh, what's the consumer behavior? Cause this is completely different from LA and Miami. It is not the same consumers, uh, build local connections, which I think we're starting to do going to those events and men mending, approaching people, uh, adopt your offerings, maybe like, localize the pricing essentially. Cause I think that LA or Miami might have a bigger budget than some of the people we might meet here. You agree with that? Yeah. And just saying yes, when you're just starting out, don't be so attached to your pricing and your structure mm-hmm. because it can change and evolve based on the community and where you are. Yeah. I localize uh, marketing. Mm-hmm. How do you resonate with these locals? Yeah. Cause our words here are not the same as they were in Miami. Mm-hmm. Miami's all showy and who are you and what do you do? And here people are like, well, how are you going to help me? That's yeah. all I want to know. Yeah. Are you a good person? Yeah. Do you believe in God? Miami's like, do you believe in the BBL? That's who right. are you? They all want to be with the who's who. Well, and here's a major difference. Mm-hmm. Here, you know. Not everybody. That's a people. statement, of course. Yeah, but either way. Yeah. Miami, we met a guy that called himself the penis Jesus. Oh, yeah. And said he had like a $5 million budget, was going to have a yacht, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, helicopters, a bunch of half-naked girls had no money. That's Mm -hmm. Miami in a bubble right there, full of shit, just lied his way through the meeting. And the second we approached him with a budget, he said, I can't afford it. Now's not a good time. And that was like two days after we Mm -hmm. had the meeting. And he wanted a five, we, what, we quoted him like $40,000, which was nothing. Well, yeah, for what he wanted, he wanted like, he wanted like a feature film created and a bunch of segments. Yeah. And he literally said that like last year he made like 24 million. I am the penis Jesus. I can get you six extra inches. Yeah. I was like, "Mm, that's a big claim. But Miami is all about big claims. Big claim. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Who are you Mm -hmm. here? Nobody cares. I mean, it's full of shit. People just mm want to have a good vibe, good time here, which I love. It's just such a beach town community and chill. Yeah. Southern coast here. Good people. Like people aren't out to screw you over here. Miami, mm-hmm. there was a lot of that. Just yeah. how can we take advantage? Just taking advantage. Mm-hmm. And nothing against Miami. It's just the market. So we weren't prepared for that. Maybe a little coming from LA. 
Well, LA is not the same. Mm-hmm. It's like LA's. LA is more fake it till you make it because they want opportunity. Miami's like, prove it. <laughs> yeah, prove it. And I'm not going to pay you. Yeah. And, and then here and they're late. like, yeah, and everybody's late. Oh my gosh. The lateness is really, we had to adjust yeah. to that. They pay we're for very a four punctual. hour shoot and they don't show up for an hour and a half. They have a two and a half hour shoot. Mm-hmm. Same price. Yep. And some people will even pay you more and a lot of cash. There's a lot of cash. Anyway, different markets. We could get into all of that. But I wanted to talk on one of the things you said. What was number two on your list? Build local connections. What was number one? Know your market. Demand, competition. Okay, the competition. Or collaborative. Yeah. So the competition part, this is really, I think this is really important. There is going to be competition. Mm -hmm. No matter how do you approach it? Yeah, no matter where you are, you're gonna have a competitor. So, you know, people will look at who's out there doing exactly what they're doing and they'll get discouraged. You don't have to copy your competitor. Mm-mm. Find out what makes you different. Sit down and really get clear. What do I want to do? What's my vision? Just like we were talking with uh, Joe the other day about being, about being a barber. There is a dime a dozen in Miami. You throw a, you yeah. throw a penny and there's a barber shop. So how yeah. do you, there's still uh, how many heads down there that need their haircut? Your failure does not equal my success. Exactly. And so what sets you apart? Is your branding different? Is your marketing different? Is your message different? And what do you offer as a service that the barber shop two blocks down isn't offering and you have to be creative and think outside the box. What is going to set you apart? And don't look at it as competition. Never. Collaboration over yeah. competition. Mm-hmm. We did it in Miami where we would met up with Salomon to start. Mm-hmm. He does similar things to us, mainly photography for models. Wonderful photographer. But at the same time, there was no competition. It's like, Hey, let's meeting of the minds. What can mm-hmm. we build together? How can we you know, work together? Same with here. We went and did network meetings. I reach out to other people who maybe do just social media marketing so I can connect with them. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to take your clients. I see you're busy with them. I would never go out there and be like, hey, I could do better actually. Like, yeah. no, I'm, I feel like building the community is the best way to go about it. Yep. And if we go back to that barbershop as an example, what if they're at capacity and they can't take any more clients? They don't want to turn them away. Work on a collaboration. Hey, I'm two blocks down. I would love to get referrals if you guys are maxed out or you can't take somebody as a walk-in. If you send them to me, I'll give you 20% cut. There's a way to work together where you're not competing with each other. That competing takes too much energy. Collaborate. Mm -hmm. Become friends. Go get coffee. Talk to each other. Bring them lunch one day. You know, everybody loves gifts. Bring a gift to a customer or a competitor. They love that stuff. See, Some of that is hard for people. Like for me, I'm not the most outgoing to approach some stranger. But you did it today. That's right. And that's where you got to kind of do hard things. You got to do hard things. So you got to push yourself to that capacity of whether you're uncomfortable or on your daily tasks or workouts. What, What pushes you to do hard things? So mm-hmm. that the rest of the things are not so hard in the day. Are you asking me or but you want to? I wanna... want you to elaborate on doing difficult things. I think it starts in the mind. You have to just have the mindset. So for me, I'm a type A personality, but I can also procrastinate because sometimes if I get overwhelmed, I'm like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. But I also, the type A creeps in. If I can make notes on my phone or write something down and say, these are the things I have to accomplish today then I like this little checkoff moment. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I did, I felt accomplished. Accomplished is a really good feeling for me. And so by staying organized and on top of what I have to do for the day, that that's my key. That's what helps me a lot. Now, everybody's gonna be different. Some people are like, I don't need a list. I could just live it in my head and go to bed at night and fall asleep. Not me. If I have things on my to-do list, I take it with me into the dream cycle. <laughs> I don't want that because then I have panic dreams. 
So I think the best thing is get your mind right. Set yourself up for success. Say yes to yourself. It's easy to say, let's say yes to businesses. But if you're not saying yes to you, you're never going to get it done. Prioritize yourself. Prioritize your mental state. Prioritize your physical health. Prioritize all of it. It's important. And listen to yourself. Your body's going to give you cues. Do I need to relax today? Okay. Take a breather. Take a mental health day if you need it. But then get back in the saddle the next day and kick some ass. There's a difference though between when you listen to yourself, I need a rest day. Is that the weak part of your brain saying just to chill or is that your actual body saying you're beat up chill for a little bit because there's there is a difference right where you're like man netflix pizza and that couch looks pretty damn good right now Mm -hmm. i deserve to lay down or you've been lazy all day why don't you go out and go for a jog come back and watch a movie what are we what are we doing because whenever something difficult happens in the day those little things aren't that difficult if you know you can do difficult things. And until mm-hmm. you push through all those barriers, I mean, I don't think that you know who you are. You learn your potential when you know how far you can go. Mm-hmm. And to quote Joe Rogan, everything that you do that is difficult is a vehicle for developing your human potential. It's so true. And I think that's great. I mean, yeah. let's jump. You can stay on this topic, but I want you to also jump into what you're about to do because you've been having anxiety leading up to it because you know it's going to be difficult and you're learning to start each day. You're learning to do each day with the ice bath, which I have Mm -hmm. in the garage and you've been killing it. Thanks. Two days. You gain belief in yourself when you do hard things. So whether it's training martial arts, going for a hard run, you do half marathons. The ice bath every morning is extremely hard on your mind to just do it. Mm -hmm. But it's okay to suck at things at the beginning because eventually you could push through and know that you did it. So You've been doing ice baths every morning to prepare for something big. What is it? I am going to Norway to swim with orcas and humpback whales and sperm whales. That's right. <gasps> oh, I said it out loud. See, all that sounds awesome and fun. It's like, whatever. You're, that sounds like a vacation. Uh, Why is it hard? It's hard because it's freezing. They're in the middle of the winter, which is the coldest times. Mm-hmm. They're at like negative 18 degrees sometimes. It is currently 69 degrees here in Florida. I'm in for a rude awakening. I don't have winter clothes. I'm not comfortable in the cold. I've acclimated to the temperatures here. So I'm like, you know, the temperature drops 10 degrees. I'm freezing. So getting in the ice bath in the mornings at 45 degrees on the surface, probably what, 38 on the bottom, freaking freezing. And I'm doing it for three and a half, four or five minutes it's uncomfortable. I think I'm going to die. I can't breathe. I flail like a fish. My feet are cold. My hands are like everything goes numb and I'm like, I'm in panic. I go to fight or flight. Day one was hard. Day two was easier. Day three is easier. Day four is easier. Day five, I can relax. I focus on the breath. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to die. So all this stuff I'm doing to prepare my mind, my body's going to be okay. It's my mind that's going to panic and freak me out. Mm-hmm. And that's with anything I've ever done. And so I think of worst case scenarios. I always want to know answers to things. I do a ton of research. I want to know what I'm getting myself into. I psych myself out and I get there and I'm like, holy shit, I did that. I did that. And if I can do that, I can do this. And if I can do this, I can do that. And if I can do that, and then I start challenging myself and I get addicted to this adrenaline rush. Like, oh my gosh, if I were to die on my deathbed, obviously, if I were to die tomorrow, <laughs> I would say, wow, I've lived a really freaking good life. I have said yes to things. I have enjoyed myself. I have taken adventures. I've seen so much of the world. I mean, who can say they've 
dove in the ocean with whales and swam with them. Now, look, I haven't done it yet. I hear a lot of people can't do it. Your physical body becomes so cold you can't move when you're on the boat because you're literally a frozen icicle in this eight to 10 millimeter neoprene wetsuit. So first of all, you're combating the cold. You're combating being uncomfortable. You're combating being seasick because you're in a dinghy going over these giant waves, which I am not good with seasickness. I get mm. really, I'm real sensitive to motion. So I'm, I'm already addressing two big fears. Now you throw me in the water with some of the largest apex predators on our planet. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's fucking go. Yeah, I'm, I'm so scared and so stout. Oh, wait. Let me back up. I am so scared and so psyched at the same time that they're kind of just washing each other out. Yeah. And if I get there and I do it, great. If I get there and I do it, I don't, and I don't do it. You're going to do great. it. Great. I'm, you know, it's, it will be hard for me to get there and to say, I didn't do it. Like I, my mama didn't raise no bitch. To so, cross the entire globe yeah. over to Europe and then go to the North pole to do this thing and then to not do it. Yeah. First of all, I've spent way too much money because it's a last minute trip. They had two slots open which the next spots don't open until the end of the year. So it to me, it was just, I saw it as an opportunity. And I thought, this is an opportunity that I have to say yes to. I can't not say yes. So I went to my friend's group and I was like, who's coming with me? I had a friend that I was honest with her. And I said, this is what you can expect. She's like, nope. And I don't blame her because there were parts of me that were wanting her to say no so I could say no. And when she said no, I was like, okay, I'm not going. And then lo and behold, Rachel shows up. She's like, hey, I'll go with you. I'm like, yeah, right. And then I started, I went back to the panic room. I was like, oh my God, this is happening. I'm, I'm going to do that. And she said, yes. And I said, yes. And we just started booking and everything started flowing. And I thought, okay, we're doing it. We're doing it and we're going to do it together. And we will be there for each other and we'll push each other. And it'll be hopefully a trip for the books. And I can't wait to come back and talk to you guys about it. Isn't it funny though, where you just, if you just get out of your own way and you do mm-hmm. something, it's worth it at the end of the day. Yeah. You wanted to, you wanted someone to talk you out of it almost, yeah. but you yeah. know, deep down you want to go. Yeah. I wanted somebody to tell me no. So I didn't have to make that. So I didn't have to blame myself for saying no. And when the yes kept coming up, I was like, I have to yeah. grab it. I have to grab. I wanted the no, because that's comfortable. I could stay here and be warm and on land, but that's not what's meant for me. Isn't it fascinating though, that most people, I would say most people who dismiss it or just don't do stuff like this or tell you not to do things. They're almost more of a narcissistic mindset or selfish because they, they almost put the doubt in you instead of encourage you. I've had more people freak me out more. And I think that's why, what's that famous quote? Like, don't tell people your plans before, like, don't tell, don't share your dreams, show them, don't Mm -hmm. tell them, show them. Cause when you start telling people crazy things that their brains just can't fathom, they start projecting their own doubts onto you. Mm-hmm. Aren't you worried about this? Don't you think about this? What about this? Don't do that because of that. Don't you? You're crazy. And it's those things start leaking into your head. And now their demons start becoming your demons. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I didn't even think about that before. So there's a there's a positive to it. Sometimes people can educate you, but don't project your crap there's onto my dream. Difference. There's a big difference. This has been something I've wanted to do since I saw Free Willy. And I've wanted to advocate for whales ever since then and free the whales from captivity. I find it to be just a very toxic and disgusting industry. Mm-hmm. And I think we have it very backwards. Um, and so to be able to do something like this, to really put my words where my mouth is, it's going to be really, wait, is that, did I say that to right? Put my words where my mouth is. <laughs> 
to put my mouth where my feet are, walk it instead of talk it, walk it like a talk. Anyway, that's my goal. I want to, I want to show people that you can spend time with whales instead of going to SeaWorld. I want to show them how wonderful they are in captivity and how brilliant they are. And they don't deserve to be in a bathtub for you to pay hundreds of dollars to go see, you know, get out of those places. Go, go on a whale watching excursion, but also do your research there too. Cause some people aren't very ethical on anyway. There's a whole, of course. Be a whole nother conversation. There's but. a million different things, but just because some one country is doing something bad, what makes you think there's not a bunch of people trying to make right in that same spot? This is a great topic. Do you care if we lead into it for just another minute? Sure. Okay. When I tell people I'm going to Norway, some people like to suggest that Norway and Iceland, they're known for killing whales. Whaling. Yeah. And yes, I- Faroe Islands and the pilot whale population. Faroe Islands has a a thing where they do this, it's like an initiation for their teenage boys and they go out and they literally will massacre pilot whales. And for us to see something like that is barbaric. We can't understand. Mm -hmm. But then you talk to the people. Look, I do not, I do not agree with their- whole approach. Sure. If you want to kill some whales to feed your families, I, I can't judge that. They leave, they have boats out in the ocean waiting to see pods. And when they finally see some, they wrangle them in and all the boats come in and shove them into the shore. And that's how they do it. Yeah. And they will massacre them. And they've found a bunch of pregnant whales. I mean, it's just, to Mm -hmm. me, you're diminishing an entire population that I understand killing one or two to feed yourself. I don't like it, but America's not any better. And it's not for sport, which I remember I showed you, went down the rabbit hole of watching those videos mm-hmm. and Vice did some. It's like the main idea is that they do it for sport and it's just to bring up the boys. And yeah, this camaraderie. No, you go and talk to other people. They have whale across, like given out in the markets at that point. The whole island gets fed now right. for months because they don't have any real vegetation or cattle or anything. They don't have cattle. They don't have chicken. They don't have pork. They're not... Uh, they don't have what we have to be a protein source. So I can understand trying to feed yourself. Yeah. I get it. Now- Still hurts your feelings. It hurts my heart. Same. I mean, it's just, it's tragic. However, if you've ever gone to a factory farm in the United States, you know, we're always doing this. Look at them, look at them, mm-hmm. look at them. But the United States need to, needs to do this because yeah. what we're doing to our animals for protein is just as equal, if not worse, of a barbaric situation. Now, you know- so what are you going to do? But anyway, so in Iceland, their their contract just expired for whaling, which was a big win for them. Mm-hmm. And so when people come at me and they're like, you're going to Norway to swim with whales, isn't that where they kill the whales? Just, you know, yeah. do a little more research. And they go to their Icelandic and Norwegian friends and go, we're going to the United States of America where they kill people in school and they yeah. you know, all, do all this crazy shit. Yeah. Chop genitals yeah. off and four-year-olds. And yeah, we don't have to agree with they what have the culture orcas is. in pools. Mm-hmm. We don't have orcas in pools here. And mm-hmm. people just make them jump up and touch buoys and dolphins. It's a great it's like, point. It's like we do things that other cultures don't like. And that's why we're all different countries. Yeah. Because we all have our own set of rules and the oceans of wild, wild west. And that's why Asia could do whatever they want half the time. Well, then I think too, like, and I know that there are very intelligent creatures in the ocean. You know, whales are such intelligent creatures. However, what's to say the difference in a salmon? A salmon is also intelligent. Have you ever- There's a big difference though. I don't think there's a big difference. We want to talk about prefrontal cortex and actual development in different dialects. The dolphins and whales can speak different languages. And then you think dolphins are the most- intelligent there is and then all of a sudden the orcas go watch this hold my fin <laughs> i'm gonna eat your ass yeah dinner. it's like we're cousins and I he's think, like i don't care but then like octopus 
there's a yeah, lot of animals exactly. out there in the ocean that are very intelligent that we just don't have the capacity or the information yet mm -hmm. to say, this animal is not as intelligent, so we're gonna eat it. This one's intelligent, so we're not gonna eat it. Have you seen a pig? Pigs are some of the most intelligent creatures and bacon. If they were that smart, they wouldn't be eating all the garbage. Maybe that's their purpose. It helps us clean up our crop, you know? So anyway, I just, I just think that um, to say that one ocean critter is, you can eat this one, but don't eat that one. Yeah. You know, we just have to kind of get our, we have to get it straight. America's think, like, don't eat dogs in China. Well, to them, it's, we eat pigs, South pigs Korea and dogs. just passed something where they're going to stop allowing people to eat dogs. Yeah. <laughs> they like banned it. But why do we say one animal is okay to eat, but the other animal is not okay? Because it's cuter. <laughs> pigs are so cute. Salmon Until are really cute. I, cute I had aquariums growing up as a kid. And you don't I don't have pet salmon. Not pet salmon, but I had betta fish. Freaking intelligent. That fish let us know before it died. Remember, he hit the tank and then he was like, well, "Good night." I forever. am dying. Yeah, I think I don't think we give aquatic animals enough credit on their intellectual well, we level. Know more about space almost than we do about the ocean. Still, and that so. makes me think we don't. And know we know even about less space. about the human brain. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to offer that little TED talk that I'm going to Norway to swim with orcas and some Shut whales and. I will let you know. Who are yeah. you saying shut the fuck up? Whoever's to? out there hating. Who's hating? Everybody that we just talked about with their negative feedback instead of yeah. being encouraging. Yeah, encourage. That's a projection though. Just because people are projecting onto me. It's when someone comes to you with some good news, be excited for them. Don't be the devil's advocate and be like, did you know yeah. this and that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, rocks. that just goes full circle to previous podcasts where it's like, stop telling people what to do. Worry about yourself. You have your beliefs, but quit projecting and being an ass. Yeah, there's enough of there are enough assholes on this planet. The people who think that kind of stuff don't do hard things. Can I tell you a really funny thing that Phoenix said to us? Yeah. My our niece, my sister's daughter, the other day panicked and ran to my sister and said, "Mommy, I have a hole in my butt." Isn't that so funny? And she had to explain to her everybody has a hole in their butt. She thought something was wrong with her. She was is, like, "We all have buttholes." <laughs> she had to explain the is, process is of a this, butthole. Uh, this is connecting to the conversation because of blowholes. Right? You said assholes. Because we're talking about orcas. No, you said you said there's enough assholes in the world. That made me think we all have. There are assholes yeah. everywhere. And my niece yeah. was scared because she had a hole in her butt. So if you're projecting and giving negative feedback and not encouraging, you need to do difficult things out there. Everyone. Put yourself to the test. Know push what, yourself. Push yourself. Know your potential. Know your limits. And then you'll stop judging people who actually do things with their life. But how many people do we know that have never left their town? They've never Lots. been outside, but yet they have all these opinions of what the world is. Mm -hmm. Until you're in the world and amongst other cultures, you're not really going to understand. And you're not going to respect other places. And you're not going to really respect where you come from. Because mm -hmm. so you often, don't know yourself, let alone the rest of the world. Yeah. I love traveling international, but mm -hmm. I love coming home. I mm -hmm. love being back in the United States. This is the greatest country on the planet. Mm -hmm. It might not be perfect, but you don't really know how wonderful this place is until you've been other places. And you're That's like, right. whoa, we literally, we have it really good. That's right. And for some of you people who have never gone anywhere, it might be really difficult for you to get on a plane mm -hmm. and go somewhere. So like I said, do that hard thing, get out of your town and actually explore and yeah. understand where people come from. Go live a little, go live. And there's so much, there's so many great things. Invest in yourself. Budget for yourself. Go do something. Go do something that scares you to death. Yeah. Like I said, difficult things. If it scares you, do it. Mm -hmm. Jump. Jump, baby. All right. Peace out, everybody. That Thank you all for tuning in. Later. See ya.